Hello everyone, my name is Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast, where we talk about everything related to heavy metal detox, supplements, protocols, and all things under the sun related to alternative health. I wanna help you find answers to your health issues that actually address the underlying root cause. Today we have Dr. Kelly Miller on the show. He is an absolutely brilliant naturopathic doctor and chiropractor that has a brain clinic. He has three locations actually, and he helps to save people's brains and dramatically improve their brain functioning in so many different ways. And so today we're going to be talking about, you know, how to save your brain and its function and the thyroid's uh, involvement in the number of mitochondria that you have and their size. Uh, really, really interesting things we'll be learning today on the show. We'll be talking about how uh, metals exactly impair brain function, metals like mercury and aluminum, and how they cause the production of beta amyloid plaques that can lead to dementia like Alzheimer's. We'll talk about the 15 things that can impact brain function that can be evaluated and improved the latest technologies to dramatically restore brain function and memory and supplements as well. And Dr. Miller's top tips to improve brain function that you can do at home. I know so many of you guys listening today are concerned about heavy metals, concerned about the impact of environmental toxins on your health and are curious in what to do about them, what works, what doesn't. Well, I created a quiz to help you evaluate some lifestyle factors that could be contributing to your heavy metal toxicity and body burden of metals. Go to heavymetalsquiz.com, take the quiz, it takes a couple of minutes, and you'll get some information on your level of heavy metal toxicity potentially, and the next steps, a free video series on what you can do to reduce your body's body burden of heavy metals, heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, Dr. Kelly Miller, is a DC doctor of chiropractic, NMD, FASA, and he's received a doctor of chiropractic from the Logan University of Health Sciences in 1980, and he received a certification in industrial and occupational health from Northwestern College of Chiropractic, and a certification in acupuncture and meridian therapy. He became a fellow of the Acupuncture Society of America and became a board certified naturopathic physician from the American Naturopathic Medical Certification and Accreditation Board in 2001. He's also board certified in acupuncture and he's a fellow of the Brazil American Academy for Aging and Regenerative Medicine and became certified in functional diagnostic medicine from the uh, Functional Medicine University in 2014. Dr. Kelly Miller is an international lecturer and he's the author of seven books, including 13 Secrets to Optimal Aging, Micronutrient Testing, Is Your Environment Stressing You Out? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. And Saving Your Brain, Causes, Prevention, and Reversal of Dementia and Alzheimer's. You can find Dr. Miller at drkellymiller.com and savingyourbrain.com. Dr. Miller, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little about your background and your medical practice and how you work with patients. 
Sure. I've uh, started in chiropractic. I've been in practice for 39 years. I'm a chiropractor, certified in acupuncture, certified naturopathic physician. Um, I have a fellowship in aging regenerative medicine and also certified in functional medicine. So uh, what I've, after my fourth book was published, uh, Saving Your Brain, um, I've shifted to a brain-based practice now. So we, all the patients that we evaluate, no matter what their symptoms, we look at the uh, analysis starting from the brain down. So they may come in, even if it's a pain, chronic pain patient. Uh, but we're looking at different brainwave patterns. We do something called brain mapping, which measures the five different types of brain waves. We have the slowest is delta. Uh, then you have theta. Then you have alpha, which is kind of the resting, uh, idling speed of our brain. Then we have low beta. Then we have high beta. So high beta is like high alert, you know, like um, incoming aircraft. We got mortar fire, machine gun, and... Uh, that's what that's we find a lot of patients that's where their brain is when they come in um, so we do we look at that and that the different when there's a high or a low of a different brain wave it will it's characteristic of certain neural behaviors and it can cause one of the biggest things for example when we have a shift between the left and right brain uh, is that we have anxiousness and then anxiousness can cause depression and we're in one of our favorite subjects we're talking about the fight flight, the sympathetic response. Well, if we're anxious, what do we what do we create? We we create that sympathetic fight flight. So by balancing the brain left and right, getting it back in sync, then that makes that shift. Now, one of the things that's interesting that I find is that it doesn't matter. We were talking about stress earlier. It doesn't matter what the stress is, but if that stress becomes chronic, it causes a slowing of the left side of the brain. Okay, and that, so so it's already causing that, so it starts to create that anxiousness and depression. So it's one of the reasons that anxiousness is so prevalent, you know, in our society now, because everybody's got this left-right brain imbalance from the chronic stress. Yeah, and so why does there seem to be such an epidemic of brain-related problems in the world today? Well, good question. I mean, I think uh, a lot of the work that you've you've done is 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 touches on that. We have a lot of unfriendly chemicals in our environment, um, heavy metals, particularly mercury um, and aluminum. I'm in Tampa, and Tampa and Miami area have the highest aluminum concentrations in the United States. And what people don't realize is you can't get rid of aluminum. It's like it's in the air, it's in the water, it's going to accumulate, and your brain takes mercury and aluminum up to the brain, it's a neurotoxin, that's where it's stored. And an interesting property of a beta, you know, we talk about uh, a beta placking, you know, is associated with Alzheimer's. Well, one of the functions of a beta is it's a heavy metal binder. So doesn't it make sense that for our bodies trying to survive, that we're gonna produce this a beta to bind with the mercury, bind with the aluminum, an attempt to try to get it out of the body. The problem is, is we don't have enough of the good vitamins and minerals, antioxidants to take it through the liver and, and get rid of it, you know, or out through or, or sweat it out or, or however we can do. So um, a lot of stress, a lot of emotional stressors, a lot of environmental stressors. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing I see 
being in practice 39 years that just uh, there, there's so many more environmental stressors. Yes, and we have EMF, which is not helping, helping people's brain functions. And then there's also, you mentioned the nutritional stress and just, just so many stressors today uh, affecting our bodies and our brain functioning. Can you talk about EMF a little bit? Yeah, there's, uh, I have a chapter in my book on EMF and uh, a good book for people that haven't read is Radiation Nation. Um, it's one of the references there. Uh, have you read that book? Uh, no, I haven't. I have it in my library. I haven't read it yet, though. <laughs> it's a good book, but it, it it really it beats you. There's just so much uh, information. It's overwhelming that you can't refute it. I mean, you can't. I know there's people that say, you know, uh, even though that uh, Kilimanjaro, you know, is melting right before your eyes, that the planet's not heating up. You know, that EMFs do not create a problem, but if you look in many European countries are banning it, public Wi-Fi, they're banning it out of the school. And um, it's, we don't, I'm not trying to get paranoid about it, but we need to be, people need to be aware that there's things, you know, there's people walking around with the things in their ears, in both ears all the time with the Wi-Fi, with, they're talking, they're, just, they're frying their brain. And when you go to 5G, that'll go all the way through your head you're going to see um, a lot more problems. But it's, you know, just when I'm on a cell phone now, I do speakerphone, I have it, you know, I don't use uh, Bluetooth, you know, very, you know, try not to avoid that. Just being aware of your, um, like where the router is, you know, you wouldn't like your router, like you wouldn't want your, the router by where that lamp is behind you. So that would be, that would be a bad thing. So put the router, far away as you can and just turn all this stuff off at night you know you know turn your electronics you know but the problem is is you've got uh, teenagers and they'll have their cell phone and they will sleep with this they'll sleep on their pillow and sit there all the time and they're just constantly getting inundated and plus you know it's it's good just to leave your I mean these things we need, I mean, we, it's not like we're not going to use a cell phone, but uh, we, we need to have a time out from them. Oh, yeah. You know, Digital detox. Of, <laughs> yes, for sure. I mean, people, first thing in the morning. And it, it creates anxiousness. They're like, oh, what are they? It's, you know, like people checking their emails. The people, just, they can get a little bit over carried away with that. It's almost part of waking up where you need that little cortisol rush to turn your brain on and get going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that will do that. <laughs> and so let's talk a little bit about environmental toxins, a little bit more in depth that cause brain impairment and that need to be eliminated. Sure. A lot of these are coming through our water source, but we have, um, we talked about aluminum a little bit that can be in the water, can be in, uh, you know, uh, antiperspirants often have aluminum, just cooking in aluminum foil, aluminum pans, there's different, you know, we just need to be aware of that. Um, there's aluminum vaccines, we're still getting mercury, um, you know, if you're an old guy like me, 63, you know, I had like 20 fillings that were all mercury. So um, I've chosen not to take them out, I just, I take something on to constantly chelate it, you know, to try to keep it out from uh, causing harm. 
but a lot of stuff's in the water now. We have uh, the GMO, the Roundup, uh, glyphosates. Very bad. Very, very bad. They destroy all your good bacteria in your gut. They facilitate bad bacteria, fungus to grow, yeast to grow in your gut. They inhibit good minerals, you know, like potassium, magnesium, selenium, zinc, from being absorbed, and they increase the absorption of heavy metals. Uh, it's, it's bad stuff. And yeah, you can't uh, imagine a worse poison with all the different things that it does. It's hard to imagine something that does more damage to your body than glyphosate. Yeah, it's it's one of the worst poisons that we've created, and uh, and that's just greed, and that's just you know there 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 comes a point. I don't know. I don't get off on a political agenda here, but there has to be come a point when we have to realize that there are certain things that are are literally poisoning us and killing us, and affecting horribly affecting our children and uh, aging population and and and, they, and we have to put our foot down we have to and we have to make people be accountable for these things and stop it but it's very bad so the glyphosates um, and you have to especially like I'm in Florida it's a shell aquifer and you have so much agriculture when you're in this these things are coming into our groundwater and they're not being checked so we we will uh, organophosphates just from uh, herbicides and pesticides huge abundance uh, you know I'll test patients and you got a huge body burden of this uh, the plastics all these things are they're they're bad for the brain they cause inflammation they're endocrine disruptors a lot of these things are uh, affecting their thyroid when we have a low-functioning thyroid, that doubles our risk for Alzheimer's. So a lot of these multiple-layered, uh, they're, they're, they're toxic to the nervous system, the brain and the peripheral nervous system, and the endocrine system. How does glyphosate impact the brain? Well, you've got, well, you have a blood-brain, you've got the, the gut-brain connection. So when you have, a lot of people don't realize that 95% of our serotonin which is a calming neurotransmitter is produced in our gut. So when we have a disruption of the normal um, flora, which is beneficial, it's a symbiotic relationship. These All these uh, microorganisms in our body are for our benefit, They're for us to help them. And uh, when we get a shift in that and we get the too many bad guys, then it, it affects the brain. So one of the things we see like in an elderly patient, for example, and uh, I'm not trying to say be negative necessarily against antibiotics or anything, but when we get an elderly patient and we'll have to, we'll take an antibiotic round, you know, for 10 days to three weeks, you know, you will see Alzheimer's like symptomatology in these people. I mean, it would just, they have tremendous brain fog, they have concentration problems. When we do heart rate variability, it takes people's about six weeks if they take an antibiotic for their nervous system to recover. So we're talking about the brain and the, and the nervous system, the autonomic nervous system. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is when we take an antibiotic, we're three times more likely to get another infection within six weeks. So it's, 
you know, I, I, it's necessary in some cases, but there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, there's a lot of natural things that we can do uh, to avoid that. But the antibiotics don't work. A lot of the drugs that work, you know, don't work the same way they did, you know, like the diabetes drugs. The ones they use now are much more potentially bad side effects, very detrimental. Um, so the antibiotics are, again, very, very complicated uh, medications with lots of potential side effects. And our brain uses a lot of energy, uses about 20% of the energy that our, our body produces, roughly. And it's not, your brain's not going to function well if your mitochondria are not able to produce enough energy. And so you've said in one of our conversations that the thyroid determines mitochondria size and number, which is really, really interesting. Can you elaborate on this? and how thyroid function uh, you know, impacts brain function in this way? Sure, so if we, if we think about our thyroid when we're conceived, all the mitochondria comes from mom. We've got three million mitochondria in that ovum and that egg, and we've only got about maybe in the tens from dad. So really yeah, from- Thanks dad. <laughs> So from our conception, you know, the the health of your thyroid, of your mother at the time you're conceived is vitally important to how you're going to how you're going to respond. So we see a strong if your mom was hypothyroid, you're probably going to you're going to be hypofunction. Now we don't see it to the level of like retardation or something of that, but it it's it it has a um, a bad effect. So low functioning thyroid um, doubles the risk for, for Alzheimer's. It's very important because it's every cell, mitochondria, the thyroid determines the size and the number. So if you have a higher functioning thyroid, you're going to have more and bigger mitochondria. When we, we talk about um, going back to, to the stress, is one of the things that happens when we get stressed. We go through this change of aut autonomic imbalance the fight flight which we're talking about which then creates a hormonal imbalance because what are we doing we're producing adrenaline and cortisol okay when we produce cortisol we start shunning all the hormone into there and we're the anabolic hormones like dhea and estrogen and testosterone are being diminished so stress creates hormone deficiency over time imbalance we have when we have this stress, we're eating up more micronutrients to try to deal with this stress. We eat a lot of Bs and Cs from adrenaline response, just that, but all these environmental things, we've got to counteract it. But all these things make our blood thick, they go down to the, the next thing, it, it affects our microbiome, uh, biome, and it affects our gut, we get leaky gut. Then the last thing we do is what it does, it starts damaging the messenger RNA of our mitochondrial. They're very susceptible to stress. So now we have mitochondria not reproducing appropriately. So this mitochondria is not as efficient as mom was. And now this one, and we're, we're getting a degeneration of the mitochondria. So mitochondrial DNA is very easily, much more easily damaged than our, our whole genetic DNA. 
so we can get mutation, we can get a problem with that. But uh, but looking at the big picture, we look at thyroid as a big function, you know, to help the, the energy in the body. And can taking thyroid medication help to ameliorate these issues or, you know, correct the impact on mitochondria functioning? Is that enough? Well, we really don't. When we're looking at medication, we're looking at usually the most things that people take is a, is a synthetic form of T4, you know, in the form of Synthroid or Levothyroxine. And what we have to do for that, and this is something our thyroid produces, but it has to, in our liver, it's converted into something called T3, which is a bioactive form. And it just takes off an iodine uh, atom. But that's what every cell needs. So lots of times, you know, half the people who are taking a Synthroid or Levothyroxine still have the same symptoms they had because they're not converting it or they're developing receptor resistance. So this is something that's very uh, becoming more common. You know, we have, we're very familiar with what we call insulin resistance, and that's when we have enough insulin or sometimes even more above average, but the insulin can't get into the cell. And so if the insulin can't get in the cell, it won't allow the glucose to come in. That's why we have high sugars. So what we're finding now is we're having a lot of our hormones, we're getting this receptor cell resistance. So the thyroid is sitting in the bloodstream, but it's not getting inside the cell where we need it. So the medication doesn't work that there's, there are other nutrients you can take that will kind of clean the cell receptors. And that's what we, a lot of patients we do with that. We just have to get rid of the uh, cell receptor resistance and then they can get the thyroid in the cell. So what are some of the nutrients that help to clean the thyroid receptor sites to make them more receptive to thyroid hormone? Because so many people are on thyroid medication and I don't know about you, but a lot of my client population uh, takes a thyroid medication and they don't get the results that they want. They don't see improvement in symptoms. So how can we improve our body's ability to actually utilize the thyroid hormone people are making and taking? Yeah, well, sometimes we need some specific nutrients like tyrosine or selenium and different things to help convert that into T3. But what we find now is a lot of what I think I, I'm seeing is a lot of thyroid receptor resistance. So uh, one of my friends, mentors, developed this product. I wish I had invented it, but it is called Power Charge. But routinely, when I'll have someone who's functioning in the low range and they're taking medication, if we, we give them this, their levels come up. And lots of times, just with doing this, they can get off their medications because they go from a hypo and they're taking medication to a hyper state of thyroid function. And so it's when we look at their blood levels, there's adequacy there, but it's just not getting inside the cell. So what we don't realize is that what that nutrient, whether it's a thyroid hormone or it's B12 or whatever, it's, it's swimming around in the, in the blood but we have this receptor that it has to pass through to get inside. And that's why we're having a lot of cellular receptor resistance. So this is a great product that picks that. 
And it's not just with thyroid, it's also our sex hormones and stress hormones and, and other hormones as well. So what is what is in the power charge? Well, I have to put my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some cat's claw, fulvic humate, thyroidium, 3C, which is a homeopathic. So it's just a combination of some herbs, minerals, and a homeopathic that helps clean the receptors. One of the things, um, there's a South American herb that helps clean the hypothalamus. So we have a lot of receptor resistance at the hypothalamus, you know, for different things as well. And so let's talk a little bit about the, the thyroid and the fact that if your mother had low thyroid function and uh, when you're born, you then have less mitochondria than you would if your mother's thyroid is functioning properly and how that impacts you throughout your life. Can this be corrected? Can you increase, you know, mitochondria uh, production, increase mitochondria replication? I think you can. I think there's, there's very few things that the body can't compensate for if it's given the right, you know, information. So our body's designed to be survived, do the best it can in the circumstances. I think in uh, what I look at is what do we need to do to create a tipping point for this patient? You know, we, what are the factors? What are the stressors that are creating the problem? And what do we need to do so that we get um, that correction to start? Because the body wants to, you know, wants to survive. It wants to do that. We just have to create an optimal uh, function. So there's there's a lot of things we can do for the thyroid uh nutrient-wise, and also um, just reducing a lot of these stress, these stressors. Um, it's in really improving your air and water intake is big. A lot of these things are coming through our water source, our endocrine disruptors. And we see in the aging process, we see more and more low thyroid function occurring and, you know, as we age. And we lose mitochondria also as we age, our mitochondria begin to die off and we have fewer of them as well. Right. So, yeah. So it's, again, it's, it's looking at what can we do to clean up the environment? What can we do from a nutritional standpoint? What do we look at? When we look at mitochondria, we look, there's some limiting factors. When we eat food, our protein and our uh, carbohydrate is, is consumed or is converted into glucose. You know, a lot of people don't think I'm I'm eating I'm low carbohydrate. It doesn't matter. You can eat too much protein, you're still going to produce sugar. When we have eat fat, then it turns into fatty acids. So when we get to the mitochondria, if we don't have carnitine, enough carnitine, we can't convert those fatty acids. We can't dump them into the mitochondrial energy chain. So when we get into the mitochondria, we have all these reactions that have to do before we get something called ATP, which is our cellular energy. So there's four B vitamins and alpha lipoic acid is a limiting factor for glucose. So when we get into the mitochondria, if we're deficient in some of those things, then we can't even get in there to make energy. And then once we're within that, there's all these different micronutrients that are needed. So one of the things we look at, you know, for mitochondrial, we'll do like a micronutrient testing or something because we want to see you know, these critical factors, what we're deficient in, so we can make mitochondrial energy. And that's, 
in every one of my books is a reoccurring theme that we have to have um, the right things to make energy for in our mitochondria, those, those things. And then we also have to have, when we have a problem, to be tissue specific. You know, we're trying to heal part of the body. Different tissues have different need for different nutrients. And so regarding our brains, what kind of things can we do to protect our brains and nourish our brains and improve its functioning? Uh, of course, we want to improve our mitochondrial functioning because that will, you know, help to improve brain functioning. But what are some of the other things that we can do? Well, just pure water, you know, by uh, our, our brain is 80% water and wet weight and dry weight it's 80% fat. So just getting a pure water source, being well hydrated, is very important to your brain function. And also having uh, universally, when I test patients, everybody is deficient in fatty acids. So we're not getting enough fatty acids. So most of my patients need three plus grams of omegas. And most of that's DHA. So like in the omega, Three complex, there's something called EPA and there's DHA, which stand for a, a longer word on the big long word. But most people, most of the formulas are high in EPA, proportion of DHA, and that's good for maybe your knees and your hips, you know, reduce inflammation, but your brain needs lots of DHA. So pure water source, you know, is very important. We recommend people, in, especially in municipalities, to get a... Uh, a water filter that has something called a 401 certification and through NSF, which is an international body. And that basically gets rid of herbicides, pesticides, arsenic, and even pharmaceutical drugs. Pure water source, then we want to get more fatty acids in the brain. Very neuroprotective, that, you know, the, the cell membrane. So that those are two big things. Just having adequate fatty acids reduces your risk for Alzheimer's by 50%. What are your thoughts on DHA supplements, fish oils versus just eating fish? Well, you'd have to eat a lot of fish. <laughs> what if you really like fish? <laughs> well, the problem with it, and I, and, I, and I recommend, you know, ocean fish. The problem is the fish are, have mercury. So the bigger the fish in the food chain, the more the mercury is accumulating. So there's a, a happy balance between eating there. So I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, even, I think we're at a point where most of us need to supplement, even if we're eating an organic diet. We do other types of supplements, like when we do greens, you know, we'll have organic fruits and vegetables that are dehydrated that we can supplement with whole food. Um, but I think we need, for most of us, we need to get that ratio. Um, and we look for they get below the two to one ratio of omega threes to six, and that's what they look at. They think uh, a paleo diet, you know, of, of roaming and eating combination of things. And we have to remember that uh, when I was a child, that cows fed on grass, and those grass-fed cows had omegas in them. The meat had omegas, so we're you know, and today we have, you have to watch about fish as a farm raised because they're, they're not going to have the omegas, the farm raised fish. 
They're going to be very high in arachidonic acid, which is going to be very inflammatory because they're being fed an unnatural diet. So they don't count. The farm-raised fish don't count no, nutritionally. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're very bad for it. So in your clinic, you focus on improving brain functioning and you use a lot of different modalities. You've tested, tested, I mean, so countless modalities over your almost 40 years in practice. What are some of the newest technologies that you're using to help improve people's brains and their cognitive function? Uh, there's several. So one of the things I'm using, I'm wearing right now is a headset. This is called an audio visual trainer. And uh, there's probably four major players in the world that produce the, these devices. We happen to use this uh, like a company called BrainTap. I've been working with them a number of years. But this has five, five different technologies. And what we know about the brain is the brain will respond to light and sound. So this has photic stimulation through the eyes. And it also has biurnal beats. It has holosync. It also treats acupuncture points with infrared light therapy. And it also has a, a visual voice guidance. And what we're able to do with specific frequencies is we can change the brain. Uh, consistently, when we use this and we'll use some nutrition, we can get in 60 days, we can get a 30% neuroplastic change towards normalization in the brain, just in 60 days. And that's with a 20-year-old, that's with an 80-year-old, if they'll, if they'll do this. Uh, we do a number of other different technologies, and all of these are in the, uh, there's a chapter in the book about um, the audiovisual trainer. We also use infrared light therapy. We know infrared light does two things. It, it, it stimulates nitric oxide. Nitric oxide dilates our blood vessels. So we want to get our blood vessels bigger in our brain so we get more blood flow. And it also uh, stimulates mitochondria activity. So infrared are, uh, with the new diodes and lasers, it's able to penetrate deep through the tissue and can activate the mitochondria. That's why the emergence of you see so much infrared and, uh, and laser therapy out there because we're actually activating mitochondria. The mitochondria do everything that the cell needs to repair and duplicate. So you're just accelerating that process. So uh, with that, what do we need? We just talked about earlier. We need to make sure we have the proper nutrition for that mitochondria to work. Because if I hit it with a light, and it runs out of magnesium or runs out of B1 or, or whatever, or CoQ10, then it, 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 it can only do so much function. So we always look at tissue specific. So when we're looking at the brain, we're looking at things like we talked about omega-3s, we're looking at phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylcholine. These are all important nutrients in the brain. And then whatever the, the brain needs for increasing circulation, ginkgo, biloba, uh, different things to help uh, with the brain activity. The mitochondrial energy, pulsed electromagnetic frequency unclumps the blood. So there used to be, you've probably seen something, or maybe the people listening have heard of something called dark field microscopy. And this is where we look at this clumping of the blood. So what happens if we're clumping the blood, then that's a stress reaction. So think about that. This is survival. So in... Um, the old days, when we were in survival mode, that's because there was some critter that was going to try to eat us, right? 
So it makes sense that our blood would get thick. So if we got bitten or we got raked, we might not bleed out, right? So what's happening today, though, all these other stressors that we've talked about, emotional stressors, environmental stressors cause our blood to get thick. So everybody's walking around with, with thick blood. We're not getting good circulation to our periphery, to our brain. So the PEMF unclumps the blood. Then we'll use combination therapies like we talked, like the head harness, so we get the blood unclumped, and then we're going to dilate the blood, get the mitochondrial energy in the brain. The other thing PEMF does is it increases the uptake of nutrition through the cell membrane and to the cell, okay, which we talked about that you know receptor resistance. And the other thing it does, it helps get rid of toxicity, cellular toxicity, to facilitate it to get out of the, out of the cell. So we like PMF a lot. We see good changes with that. So those are things. And, of course, the nutrition we talked about for mitochondrial energy. Uh, we look at hormone therapy, and it's particularly in the aging brain. Our, as our hormones drop, it's very important that, uh, that we get them uh, upregulated in, in some way because those affect the neurotransmitters, like this frontal cortex, which is our decision-making. For women, that's estrogen. For men, that's testosterone. So if those levels really get down, you're just, your brain just isn't working as well. And you don't, you're losing confidence. You're losing um, deductive reasoning. Um, you're losing the ability to do routine things like manage your budget, just different things like that. Are you a proponent of hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical, or simply maximizing the body's ability to produce hormones? Uh, both. It depends on the individual, depends on their age, and depends on how bad they are. I'm actually a proponent of bioidentical in, in later life, and that's something I've just, over a long period of time, transitioned to. What we try to do is we try to, to maximize a person's um, own function naturally, you know, through diet, exercise, supplementations, we have uh, protomorphogens, we have adaptogens, we have different things, and that works very well for a lot of people, and it works very well to a certain point, but uh, when, we, when we see uh, patients and significant cognitive decline, I use a bioidentical, right, because we've got to, uh, we've got to get, we've got to sh shore them up very quickly, we've got to reverse um, degeneration, and we have to get their their cognitive function restored. So that's a really really good point. Is there anything else that you do to maximize brain function in your clinic? Yeah, one of the biggest things, if we look at the title of the book, "Saving Your Brain," each letter is an acronym. So S is for sleep. You know, there's a I guess the biggest you know, the question is which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of thing. So, but there's a, an interrelationship between sleep and brain function. So I'm of the opinion that when you have s sleep disruption, it's a symptom of your brain's dysfunction, okay? But either way, if you're not sleeping well and if you're not, normally you should go through five cycles of sleep and accumulatively about 90 minutes of each. And one of the things we know now, if we get into this delta sleep, that's when we clean the brain. We now know we have a lymphatic system. It's the only time we never pr produce a beta, but it's kind of like taking a sponge, dirty sponge, and it's cleaning everything out. So it's cleaning the brain and metabolically. So when we don't get in that deep sleep, 
we're not cleaning the brain. So sleep is really big. A is for the autonomic balance. We already talked about um, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic and how important that is. V is for vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. You know, there's lots of key things. One of the biggest things um, somebody can take is something called Hooperzine A. We have a product called Memory that we use for that. It has also a little, a little acetyl L-carnitine, which helps uh, production of acetylcholine. But Hooperzine A is used in China as the number one drug for uh, Alzheimer's, and it's not a drug. It's Chinese moss. It's a food. It's a, it's a, it's an herb, and it uh, re prevents, reverses, or dissolves a beta in five different pathways. So, food natural food or antioxidants are much better than drugs for the brain because drugs only work on a single pathway whereas something like uh, like curcumin also has antioxidant anti-inflammatory has multiple different effects so I is in for infection inflammation we talked earlier about uh, Robert and the mold infection so we find a lot of people in Florida have mold infections, but they have a lot of chronic in there. N is for the neurohormones. G is for genetics. Half of people who have uh, Alzheimer's have something called the ApoE4 gene. And it's just not as efficient at getting rid of the a beta out of the brain. But if you take niacin, you can um, compensate for that. So, so what most people don't know about the genes is that most genes are actionable. If you know you have this gene, it just has a weakness, but it, there's usually a solution for it. Uh, why is for your belief system, and that uh, we talked about earlier about stress and your perception of stress, so how you perceive things. O is for obesity, oxidative stress, used for an unfriendly environment. That's your bailiwick, the, the unfriendly environment and the heavy metals, part of that. R is for reading. Uh, B is for blood flow. R is for repetitive head injury. A is for activity exercise, I is for insulin sensitivity, resistance, and N is for neurotransmitters, particularly the anxiousness and depression. So those are the kind of, when I look at someone's brain, I kind of look at, okay, where's where's their Achilles heels? Where's their weak link? Where And we, where can we shore this person up? And it, so it can be different for different people. But the two biggies, blood sugar regulation, uh, Again, knowing if you have the ApoE4 gene, you, that's compensated by exercise and niacin, and again, stress levels. So some, some of them, and the sleep is really big too. So we put a lot of Yeah, so many different things impact our brain, and but so many things we can do also. You just have to figure out what your weak link is. And so that's what you help people try to figure out in your book, Saving Your Brain. Can you talk a, a little bit more about your book, where people can get it? Sure, it's on it's on Amazon. You can get a paperback, or you can get it on Kindle on the um, electronic version. We have it on our, our website as well, uh, www.drkellymiller.com. I'll even get an autographed copy if you order it from there. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's a, it's just kind of a blueprint. What I did, uh, the reason I wrote this book is. I started, I'm um, 63 now, but probably in my mid-50s, I was, I could really tell my brain was having some problems. Uh, I used to have my host schedule in my head and time. I didn't need, I mean, I could 
you, I can just remember all that stuff. I, uh, I used to be a movie buff and I could, I used to remember all the actors and the actresses names and the different scenes. And then it started to get where I could see their picture, but I couldn't, I was like, I, you know, I was actually having to use Google, you know, I was like, who is that person? Oh yeah. But that's something, you know, I should have known. And, um, travel a lot and like I'd be looking pictures of my wife I'd be looking at these pictures in France and you know what city was that where was that I mean, you know I just uh, you know I could tell there were some problems so I started researching and probably um, I tell uh, people I grew up in the 60s and I had a, a I was very experimental and if one was good three or four was probably better so that probably <laughs> <laughs> that, that that probably affected. I also played rugby for 21 years, and uh, I was probably involved in 10,000 tackles, either giving or receiving, in the position I played. And uh, yeah, I think those were just uh, some accumulative. I always, you know, took nutrients and different things, but I think those were some accumulative factors. And so I started looking at when you look at the brain. There's, you know, they've done 350 studies, drug trials for Alzheimer's. In fact, a couple of the pharmaceutical companies this last year just threw in the towel because there's, as we talked about, there's not a single pathway to Alzheimer's and that's what a, how a drug works. It either inhibits or stimulates a uh, enzyme activity. And when we look at Alzheimer's, you know, you've got at least 10 different pathways or more that can that can create that scenario. So what I started doing, I just started looking at all the different research that was out there that would help brain cognitive function. So I looked at things that were related to a beta formation, dissolving a beta. Um, you know, a beta is associated with Alzheimer's. I don't think it causes Alzheimer's. I just think, you know, it's a byproduct of the same dysfunction. And you're talking well, we about the, at that the beta amyloid plaques? Yes, the beta, exactly. And um, so there seemed to be a symptom that's causing the same thing. I mean, why is the body producing a beta? We, uh, we talked about earlier that a beta is actually binds to heavy metals. So if you have aluminum and mercury in your brain, it makes sense you're going to produce a beta to try to get, wall off that, those neurotoxins. The other thing a beta does, it's a natural antibiotic. So... If you think of it, if you have infection in the brain and uh, we see all the Lyme's disease, we see all these different things, Epstein-Barr, that create uh, a mold. It's very neurotoxic. So it makes sense that we're forming a beta. So I think a beta is that production is natural in the body. And it's the problem is, is we're doing it too much because we're creating the environment that we're, we're trying to uh protectors in another way and then we can't get we can't clear the abeta so when we have someone who has the apoe4 gene which is not as efficient at that and they have the mercury and they have the aluminum and they have the infection then they're going to be more susceptible because they can't they can't clear out that abeta um, but we looked at the different information on there and so we 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 did a chapter on different things we have one on the um uh, Daniel Amen, very famous guy, he's a psychiatrist, an atypical psychiatrist, and he uses something called SPECT imaging, and, um, which is like a 3D visualization of the blood flow of the brain. He did a great study with a, uh, half a dozen other doctors on 30X NFL 
players who had traumatic brain injuries and or addictions. And they have, there's a, interesting, they have a lot of similarities between an addicted brain and a, a traumatically induced brain. But they were able to restore brain flow and improve cognitive function from just a pure nutritional standpoint. So we look at those nutrients. They used uh, like five grams of omegas, very high fatty acid. But they were looking at uh, the Hooperzine A. They were looking at Ginkgo biloba, Vinpocetine, lots of these different combination of nutrients that are in the, the chapter. I got two chapters just on uh, nutrition for the brain. And so we just look at all those things. We look at the infrared head harness. There was a, a research paper in Boston VA that they did this head harness with the infrared light. And we talked about the infrared light. What does it do? It increases nitric oxide, dilates the blood vessels, helps mitochondrial energy, okay, which is going to improve energy production in the brain, facilitate repair, get rid of detoxification. And again, they used SPECT imaging, showed increased circulation, and they showed cognitive function. Uh, we used the audiovisual trainer. There was a great study in 2014 with 80 uh, patients, mean age of 68-year-olds, and they all had cognitive functions. They actually measured our brain speed. So when we start having cognitive function, it actually starts slowing down. And uh, so they, instead of, say, 10 hertz, which is a, hertz is just cycles per second, and it was down to 9.5. And they just gave these people alpha waves, which is at 10 hertz, and 60, 30 treatments over a 60-day period, and they were able to get their speed up to 9.9, .9, which is like an average 35 or 40-year-old. So again, we see multiple natural modalities of using sound, light, frequency, nutrition that are restoring brain. So we see improved function in the brain, increased speed in the brain, increased circulation in the brain, and more importantly, we have cognitive testing. And that's what we do. We do before and after cognitive testing. And, uh, you know, most of the time when people come in, part of their brain's working well, the part isn't working as well. So we, we try to get the part that isn't working as well. Um, so, the, again, we are talking about the different... Uh, the research, so that we just put the, that together, and that's been an, an evolution. So even um, since the release in August, we've implemented even and more new technologies. So we're always looking for something that's going to make uh, a difference in their heart rate variability, like we talked about. Is it going to stimulate the nervous, make the nervous system more powerful, and particularly the parasympathetic, the you know the healing digesting part of the nervous system increase that power and is going to increase the circulation. So we're still looking, we're, we've got two or three more modalities we're getting ready to look at to implement. Yeah, and so when you go to your conventional medical doctor presenting with fatigue and brain fog and depression and sleep issues, are they going to be offering any of these things? <laughs> no. In fact, most, it's most people will say, um, I just had a patient who had imaging. Now I'm getting patients that are actually getting imaging, and so their brain is shrinking. And I just had one whose frontal cortex, as was your executive decision, and they diagnosed her with depression. That's the reason she was having brain problems. I go, no. Her brain is shrinking. Come on, hello. So we're, we're going to have the opportunity now 
which I'm really excited about, that potentially in six months, 12 months, 18 months, we could actually see a brain growing. Because if we restore the circulation, if we, we give that brain what it needs, then the brain can start to do that. So you, you can imagine, you know, it's just like a muscle cell, okay? We, can ha we don't get, when we work out, we don't get any more muscle cells, right? Just the muscle cell becomes bigger, more efficient. So we can get more efficient. So that neuron that's not working very well, this next one can be a little better, and the next one can be a little better. Because if that wasn't true, nothing could get, could get better. Yeah, you couldn't learn anything new as you get older. Yeah, you couldn't learn anything when well, nothing would would heal and repair in me. When in 1980, when I got to school, we just thought we had so many brain cells, and we just kind of whittled away at them. And I, I whittled away at a lot of, but <laughs> you worked really now, hard, like we all do. <laughs> but we now know, even if you're 80 or 90, you can we can create neurogenesis. Neurogenesis is the birth of another, better nerve cell. So what do we have? So we really look at is what can we do in our environment, internally, externally, to create that environment to create more neurogenesis? So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, we're and I ask, you, I ask you that question about uh, if you go to your conventional medical doctor, can you address any of these issues? I say that facetiously because uh, so many of our listeners, including myself, have shown up at their doctor's office, hey doctor, help me, I, I don't feel good, I'm depressed, I'm tired, I can't think clearly, and they're only presented with a medication as a solution. So I caution people to just take that as the, the end all be all. There, there are so many things that you can do that you'll just never have any hopes of learning about at a conventional medical doctor's office. Yeah, and you just say, you can't, and, and... In all honesty, I think most doctors, medical doctors, are sincere individuals who want to help people. I, I absolutely believe that. The problem is, is that's their they're limited by their training, and it's there are more doctors breaking out of that box, but it's it's hard for them to break out of that box because they have something called malpractice. Because if your cholesterol is 250, the appropriate thing is to give you a statin drug. Period. That's it. And if you don't do that, and you have a heart attack, and even though you can take the statin drug and still have a heart attack, then you have adverse reactions, and your peers will not back you up. You see, that's why it's hard that people don't get. It's hard for a medical doctor to break out of that mold, because if something goes wrong, his peers, it's okay if I give you the drug and you die, because everybody else does that. So it's hard to do that. But the other thing I think people need to look at is the reason they're they're sick is not because they have a deficiency of medications in their body. That's that's not a cause of effect. You know, why we get sick? We have genetic variants which can make us predisposed. We have a lot of environmental toxins. We have accumulative trauma in our life. We have you know it's what you eat, what you drink, how you rest, how you exercise, what you breathe, and what you think is vitally important because that dictates everything you're going to do in your lifestyle, in your belief system. So that's where we look at, you know, that's where we should look at a physician. I mean, when was the last time you went to the doctor and they go, well, tell me about your diet. What are you having for breakfast? What are you having lunch? How many fruits and vegetables are you having? How's your sleep? What time you go to bed? What time you get up? Um, 
how's everything in your in your personal life? Are you having any emotional strife? Are you doing this? And uh, what do you do if you're exercising? They don't ask. They don't. They're not looking at the causes. They're looking at a symptom pattern, and I know that I've got a drug repertoire that these symptoms I can mask these symptoms with that. So we have to, you know, we have to kind of rethink, you know, what we're doing. Yes. Well, Dr. Miller, tell us, tell the listeners where they can find you and how they can work with you and improve their brain. Well, we, yeah, we've got three locations. We're in uh, Tampa, Florida, Naples, Florida, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, savingyourbrain.com, the locations. We're actually working with other doctors to expand those locations throughout the country. But uh, we have, um, they come to the locations, but they can also contact us and um, uh, through the website, we have either the portal savingyourbrain.com. They can go in and fill out information and questionnaire there, or they can go to uh, drkellymiller.com uh, and inquire. And so we can um, meet, meet patients. We could Skype like this. We could uh, meet with them and um, help them that way. And so you can you work with patients at home, even if they're not able to come into one of your clinics. Yes, it depends on the. Uh, it, it, you know, it's very individual. It depends on what we do. Many of our patients uh, will come in for an initial assessment, and then we can work with them. We've designed where um, we have many of these modalities at home. So the person. So once we've we've worked the person up, and we know where their weaknesses are and balances are, then we'll put them on a, a regimen, uh, maybe with an audio-visual trainer, change some, some diet, we may be working on some certain exercises with them, and then we can re periodically reassess them, you know, 60, 90 days. Most of the time we'll see a 30% change in the brain for the positive in a 60-day program. That's what we're routinely seeing in the three clinics right now. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. It's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, anyone would be happy with that. <laughs> anyone would be happy with any well, improvement whatsoever. <laughs> it's, it's a start. So it's a good, yeah, so what we try to do when we, when we do a brain map, it's like we've got these 19 points of reference, and we're looking for a green brain. So green is normal. Then we've got lows, which are in the blues, and then we got the highs are red and yellow. So what are, we're just trying to do is get your brain predominantly green. So green brain, green brain is good. Red and yellow brain is not good. <laughs> well, Dr. Miller, thanks so much for coming on the show. And uh, just really, that was a really good hour of just nonstop information that I know some of the listeners are just re really happy that they tuned in for this hour. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Myers Detox podcast, where every week we explore different topics related to heavy metal toxicity and how metals and chemicals and other factors, stressors in life, affect our brain, our physiology, our brain and, and our hormones, etc. So thanks for tuning in. You can learn more about me and how to detox at MyersDetox.com. Thanks for tuning in.